Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, good morning to you. I hope everybody is doing absolutely fantastic. What a game last night. Are you kidding me? It's don't at me right here on the Outkick Networks. This is the only place to go where you'll get live and real. We're live and we're real. We're not going to cover it. We're not, I don't have a bias. We're not going to try to make sure that we're something. We call out, I almost swore I'm not going to. We call out nonsense. But last night, let's be honest. Come on. I mean, that game was off the chain, yo, as the kids say. Look, here's the deal. Um, Kansas wins its fourth national championship in program history. Kansas and Bill Self. Bill Self wins his second national championship in program history. And what I thought was cool about it was David McCormick. Like, I'm a big David McCormick fan. David McCormick, you heard yesterday, my friend Scott Pollard spoke to how most folks with Kansas that have pride in Kansas, that love Kansas basketball, maybe played at Kansas, coached at Kansas, Feel about David McCormick. David McCormick is inconsistent. David McCormick is this, that. There's always a but with David McCormick. Yeah, he's really good, but. You know, he can really go to the rim, but. He's got a really nice touch, but. You know, and if anything in life has taught me, everything said before the but doesn't matter once the but is said. Right? Hey, Dan. Like, you know, you could be really handsome, but, hey, Dan, you could be really skinny, but, we all know this, but David McCormick is that guy. So all David McCormick did was, I think, he's the player of the year in the tournament, and we'll get to that and other things. We'll get to awards down the line here in this show. But man, oh man, was I happy to see that kid go on the block and basically will his way to a couple buckets. Obviously, he felt more comfortable with Baycott out with the ankle. Obviously, when he saw Brady Manick down in there, he thought to myself, mouse in the house, baby, I'm going to work. And he did. But here's the thing about that. There are a lot of guys that are three o'clock hitters. What does that mean, Dan? Or three o'clock shooters? Dudes that look great in batting practice. Three o'clock. Games at seven. Dudes that look great. Man, can he shoot in practice? Games at seven. And there's also this deal where, uh, you know, this deal where a lot of guys score in the first half. National championship. Late in the game, down one, need a bucket, that's blank cutting time. That's, woo, baby. And you know what David McCormick did? Dave McCormick went right down on the block. You know Dave McCormick graduated college in three years? You know David McCormick working on a master's? Did you know that? Like, when you hear all this crapola 
about college basketball, all you hear is the crapola. Like, the crapola was out the window during this NCAA tournament. You know what this was? This was dudes balling. Only Indiana got caught up in, well, we beat Wyoming, and we're going to TikTok, and then didn't show up. You can TikTok all you want, but you got to show up. And you got to show up and show up and show up and then show out late. And I got to tell you, it's what Kansas did down 15. Look, ain't no speech down 15. People say, well, what was said in the locker room? Well, a lot of things, but you got to come out and play. All right, let's go through the game. First half started out great for Kansas. Here's what the broadcast crew missed. There was no offensive basketball on the perimeter by Kansas in the last 10 minutes of the first half. They kept, well, you got to feed McCormick. No, you don't feed McCormick. No, and Charles Barkley, God love him, but he had it wrong too. He said the game plan was to go to McCormick. No, it wasn't. The game plan got shut down by North Carolina in the first half. Why? Because Kansas relaxed. Kansas got off to a great start. Thought they were going to get this done, and you could see all of a sudden their hand action wasn't as good. Their big step where you take your feet and you slide your feet was slow. They were late to help defensively. They did not cut hard offensively. So all of that offensively for Kansas meant they had nowhere to go because guess what? North Carolina's got pride. North Carolina got in a stance. North Carolina got after the perimeter. So they had to throw the ball inside to McCormick. There was no other option. Abaji was jogging through cuts. Remy Martin wasn't an influence. He was horrible in the first half. And he was horrible because he was too cool. Cool is for the club, people. Cool is not for the national championship game. Kansas was obviously the better team when they played. You saw it in the second half. But getting to play that way was difficult. Everybody had it wrong yesterday when they were watching the game. Well, they're trying to force feed. Well, you got to establish McCormick. No, you don't. Kansas got back in that game because they established a perimeter offensively and defensively. Let me go through it. Defensively, I don't know if you noticed, but Caleb Love didn't get very many shots. In fact, Caleb Love and Davis went a combined 10 for 41. Didn't have many good looks. Why? Because I told you in the video, the quickness of Kansas could influence the shooting of North Carolina, and it did in the second half when they got desperate, when they decided to play the way they should. So you start guarding defensively, and this is what the broadcast crew missed in the first game. In the first game, the reason Kansas shots were going in, if you've ever coached or you know anything about college basketball, is because of how hard Kansas was playing defensively. Shots from good shooters go in when they are totally locked into the game, and that includes defense. Shots do not go in. Bad shots get taken. Lazy drives get made when you're not engaged. That's what you saw the second half of the national, or second half of the first half, the last 10 minutes of last night's game. Kansas was lazy. North Carolina got energized route. Do that against a good team, you get your brains beat out. First half, brains beat out. Second half, you could see it from jump. You could see the energy, you could see the quickness, you could see the ball pressure, you could see the perimeter defense, and then, ladies and gentlemen, what did you see? Running, 
going to the basket, Christian Bronkeed it, and next thing you know, a quick 15-point lead became a quick 8-point lead. Five, seven, three, five, tied. You saw it. It wasn't North Carolina's fault. They just weren't as good as Kansas when Kansas was playing at full throttle, when Kansas really pushed it. But getting Kansas to do that was difficult. A 15-point deficit at halftime forced them to do it. Let me tell you what you say to a team when you're up 15 if you're Hubert Davis. Because the natural reaction, we're kicking their backside. You know you're kicking their backside. I know I got you. Like, I know as a defender that you can't do nothing against me. You can get hot defensively. And that's exactly what North Carolina was at halftime. So if you're Hubert Davis, you come in and you see some complacency, you got to get guys to understand how would you play in the national championship game down 15? How would you play? That's what you got to get. Look, you would play desperate if you were down 15. That's how you have to play when you're up 15. You cannot pull back on it. You cannot worry about what your lead is. You got to play desperate like you did the last 10 minutes of the first half. Now, if you are Kansas, yeah, you can yell and scream. Yeah, you can say we're not going home. Yeah, you can say we're getting embarrassed. You can say all those things. But I'm telling you, and Doug Gottlieb said it yesterday, I guarantee, I bet you money, Bill Self said exactly what I've been telling you. We got to get going defensively to create offense. And if you don't, you're going to get blown out. We're going to pick up. We're going to trap if you have an opportunity. We're going to be alert to the basketball when the ball's opposite you. Get in a steal position meaning a position to steal the basketball. So if the ball's over here on the far left side and I'm over here on the far right side, don't be hugging my man. Get in the middle of the paint and look to make a play like a free safety in football. And then everybody attack the backboard and let's go. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what happened. They didn't have to establish David McCormick. How stupid. I kept hearing, well, you got to establish McCormick. No. McCormick is going to win you the game by going to him, not establishing him. You can go to him in your offense. That's exactly what happened. They went to him. They saw a matchup late, but they didn't establish him. Man, you know what they established? Their defense. You know what they established? Remy Martin. You know what they established? Christian Braun. And next thing you know, they were in business. And that's how you win a game. Drives me nuts watching a broadcast with people that don't know. Drives me nuts. Like, no, you got, you know, the, the dumbest thing to say on a broadcast or the easiest thing I should say is you got to establish inside. You don't, not if you're Kansas. No. So anyway, late in the game, Baycott goes out, Brady Maddox in and voila, you got the matchup, you go and you get it. And next thing you know, you're taking the ball out of bounds up three and we all got a chance. We got a chance to get a great, not a good, a great cover. I told my wife, like, here's where, here's the court, right? Okay, here's one basket and here's one basket. Ball over here out of bounds. Man, I remember turning it over in the Elite Eight against Virginia. I I had no chance. I'm like, Coach, we got to do something different. I can't get it in. 
the big guy guarding you. You got the guys kicking you on your legs. It's crazy. So kid runs out of bounds. I thought maybe Kansas would foul. You know, you can foul in college basketball. Guy's coming at me. I step in front, try to take a charge, you know, even though it's a, you know, let the referee make it a flop call, make it whatever. They didn't. They got away with it. And next thing you know, Kansas is national champions. How about Puff Johnson throwing up on the court? See, one of my biggest complaints about college basketball is how much we complain about college basketball. The NIL, refereeing's awful. This is terrible. Blah, blah, blah. That and the monotone voices of the announcers. Well, you know, there's a foul. Uh, Anyway, that's not what real college basketball is. Real college basketball is guys doing what Puff Johnson did last night, playing so damn hard you puke on the court. Coming in in a national championship game and dropping 11 quick ones when your team needs them the most. Or being Baycott, Armando Baycott, playing on an ankle. You know, I saw the little journalist boys on Twitter last night. Well, did they check uh, Brady Manick? I think he's concussed. Yeah, shut up. Just shut up. Who cares if he's concussed? Go play. It's a national championship game. Go be concussed later. You can be concussed. Well, he's going to die. No, he's not. He's going to have a concussion. So what? It'll be all right. Well, I would never let my son play for you. Well, I wouldn't ask your son to play for me, given who his father is. So shut up. It's a national championship game. I'm just telling you what Brady Maddox saying. Brady Manick, by the way, 13 rebounds last night. Man, that dude was a bad boy. And he won us some money. But anyway, it was an absolutely fantastic NCAA tournament, and I'm going to miss it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to miss the NCAA tournament. I love my Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, I got the Masters to carry, and I'm going to Vegas this weekend with my nephew, my brother, and a friend of my nephew's, and we're going to bet our faces off and have a great time playing golf like 8,000 holes. So I got that for this weekend. But the NCAA tournament, I don't know. NCAA tournament was fun. NCAA tournament was exciting. The NCAA tournament was something that I think people finally or maybe are sort of understanding. Hey, guess what? College basketball isn't necessarily about all the guy, guys whining. See, if you when, one thing I learned working at ESPN, one of the things I, I learned is if you're not dividing, you're not winning. Like, think about Jalen Rose and those guys on those morning shows. All they do is divide. College basketball is bad. This is the other guys. College basketball is bad. Here's what we need to do to fix it. College basketball looked pretty damn good to me last night. College basketball had 70,000 people in a dome last night in New Orleans. College basketball, on top of 70,000 people, had another 20,000 in the Dean Dome, another 15, 18, whatever thousand uh, in Fog Allen. Everybody and their mother was watching it. I say college basketball is doing pretty good, but we got to straighten out the NIL. The players need the power, blah, 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 blah. Do all that. It's like I used to tell my first wife, I know you're mad. I just don't want to hear about it. Be mad. No. That's why I'm divorced. I also used to tell my kids, what do you hear when you hear mommy talk? 
blah, 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 blah. It goes against my Dan thing from yesterday, but actually I love my ex-wife. We're very good friends, and I tease all the time about that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is this. College basketball is in great shape. But if ESPN or others didn't have, or, or media guys didn't have, you know, some guy, Billis or whomever, telling you, well, you know, uh, the state of, co- it's too physical. It's not physical enough. There's too many guys making money. Stop. Just stop. It's a great night. We're going to talk about it all morning. Don't at me, people. Great night. Hey, did you see this? This is why my friend Bobby Burak and others on this Outkick Network, this is why we are must-see. This is why everybody must, I think, uh, pay attention to what's going on here. Let me just get into this real quick. I didn't want to get into a whole lot, but Pete Carroll. So Pete Carroll is a longtime football coach, right? Pete Carroll is the cheatingest guy that ran away from all of his sins at USC. And because he won a little bit in Seattle, everybody loves him. He is calling out NFL owners during the league meetings, or he called out NFL owners saying hiring of minority candidates won't improve until, guess what? Owners accept there are candidates out there different than themselves. So, of course, everybody is praising our guy. Everybody is saying, look, oh, my God, look at Pete Carroll. Yay. Go fight win. Pete Carroll. Yay. All right, you're the best. Pete Carroll. Yeah, guess what? Pete Carroll's never had an African-American coordinator. I don't know. I'm reading it right here. Pete Carroll took over as a Seahawks coach in 2010. He's hired four offensive coordinators, all are white. I guess he did have black defensive coordinators. All are white. Huh. That's Armando. That's See, Armando's great. See, we're not beholden. We're not beholden to anybody. That's why I love working at OutKick. We're not sitting there going, well, you know. uh, When I worked at the Big Ten Network one year, I talked about Wisconsin. They were playing Purdue, and I said, man, it's like a heavyweight battle. Two teams going at it. Guy came in. We don't say heavyweight battle on this network. I go, why? We're trying to get away from that stigma. Oh, okay. At ESPN, man, everybody will jump all over this. You'll see. All the dummies. I didn't turn on ESPN today. I don't turn it on in the mornings anymore. But when I did, I guarantee you, well, you know, Pete Carroll's a great man for calling this out. Oh, yeah, he's right. Yeah, well, what's Pete Pete Carroll's own record? Well, Pete Carroll's own record is, oh, I don't know. Uh NFL assistant, white guy. I'm sure Pete's coming from a good place, but I've never met an NFL owner besides a guy who signs my paycheck, and I'm not even sure he remembers my name. I'd like to network with a bunch of rich guys too, but my understanding is Carol didn't suggest white guys like me go hang out with these owners because I'm white. Blank that, blank Pete. Guy, You know, the truth of the matter is you do have to step up, really. You do. You really need to step up. So we'll see. You know, but all you got to do in this day and age to everybody but outkick is just talk, right? Pete Carroll's now a hero, yeah? How many guys, like when I see coaches that cheat like hell, 
I always think they're the biggest users of players, black or white. I always think that's what they do. First, they're insecure. They can't go get it done on their own, so they got to cheat. Nobody cheated more than Pete Carroll at USC, which means in my world, and I know guys are going to say, I love Coach Carroll. But Pete Carroll doesn't have any integrity. Pete Carroll just a guy everybody likes. And that's all you got to be in this day and age. Just be a guy everybody likes, man. Everybody likes you. You can say whatever you want. I'm glad Armando Salgura on the Outkick Network called him out. But I guarantee you very few do. ESPN's not. This is right up the alley, man. Oh, Jalen and all. They can get on there and they can lie. They can say whatever they want. <laughs> Guy says, but now we're going to get all these coaches together with all these owners like Pete wants and have a mixer. Hey, man, if I'm an owner of an NFL team, I'm hiring y'all to hire the right guys. And if you don't hire the right guys, I'm going to fire your ass. And if I got to fire your ass, then that means you got two options. You can either file a lawsuit or you can go find another job. I don't give a damn. But if I'm an NFL owner, and remember this, NFL owners don't get to be NFL owners by being stupid. NFL owners make stupid decisions and certainly have said stupid things, but they don't get there by being stupid. They just don't. Jimmy Ursay is the king of just emotion and passion and saying stupid things. He can't help himself, but he ain't stupid. He ain't a dummy. None of them are. So anyway, that fits what Pete Carroll did fits so perfectly with where the world is at. White dude hanging on to his job, obviously has trouble in his own locker room, as we saw by Russell Wilson getting the hell out of there. How can I, man, how can I get my locker room back? Well, my locker room is mostly African-American. Okay, let me go out and do this. Let me grandstand a little bit. Now, I know some of you are going to say you don't know Pete Carroll. I know Pete Carroll. I've never met Pete Carroll, but I know Pete Carroll. Like, I'm a savant when it comes to these things. I know exactly who Pete Carroll is. I know exactly. Never heard Pete Carroll talking like this when he was riding high, did you? Did you? No. No. Never heard Russell Wilson uh, is out in the Netherlands. It's almost Canada, people said, when they were riding high, did you? No. What happens with coaches when they are not as successful, maybe when they lose, is they got to find something. They got to find something. Hell, I went through it. And what is that something? Well, in this day and age, for a white dude, it's the grandstand about race. You know when you go to the owner's meeting, and you know when you tell owners whatever it is Pete Carroll told the owners, all right? Guess what's going to happen? Somebody's going to leak it. Probably Pete Carroll. I would guess. I would guess Pete Carroll got to Schefter and said, hey, look, this is what happened. Because somehow it gets leaked. I mean, somehow it's out there. I Did it come from an owner? Hey, Maybe. You think any owners want want it out there saying, hey, Pete Carroll ripped us? I don't think it came from the owner. I don't think so. I think maybe old Pete doing a little grandstanding here. Pete, 
hiring whole an entire African-American staff. Or at least hire an offensive coordinator that's African-American. Offensive coordinator, pretty important position right now, Pete. Offensive coordinator gets you, I don't know, a head coaching job. Seems to me you work with the great Pete Carroll, man. If you work with the great Pete Carroll, guess what? Offensive coordinator, as long as you're not Daryl Bevel and don't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, you got a pretty good shot. <laughs> Hell, even Daryl Bevel got to take over a game and beat the, quote, greatest general manager and greatest head coach in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts. Pete Carroll. I got two words for you, Pete Carroll. My backside. I think I can say backside on here. I don't know. There's all these rules. By the way, uh, I hope Elon Musk gets this straightened out. And last thing before we go to break, I like Simone Biles. Simone Biles is fine. Great gymnast. Came on my show in Indy. I liked her. She was very nice. But for Simone Biles, whether you like it or not, quit in the middle of the Olympics. Hey, look, I talk about mental health all the time. I'm a big advocate for mental health. She quit. That's it. Whether it's mental health or whatever. She had a chance to play. She or had an obligation, actually, and she quit. So now I don't know if Powerade has a contract with Biles that they have to fulfill. I have no idea. But Pause's power is the dumbest thing that I have ever seen on my television. Pause is power. I'm feeling more powerful. I just felt stupid. Pause is power. Pause is power, which means that we are all, because she quit, we're supposed to be told by, oh, I don't know, some company that, hey, look, we're supposed to pause. It's okay to quit. It's good to quit. Quit. I don't know, man. Only thing I know is this. That ain't how I'm built. Maybe it's how you're built. That ain't how I'm built. And I know a lot of you are built that way. And I don't care about what Simone Biles says. It doesn't matter to me what she says. What matters to me is that a company is telling us that it is okay to just quit. And apparently, apparently, this has infiltrated our corporate America. Pause is power. Really? What power is pause? What, what, what power? What power does quitting give me? You know what it gives me? It gives me the power to have to make a comeback, and that comeback is done through Powerade. I'm not drinking Powerade no more. I want people that decide, hey, look, work, toughness is power. Now, if that's toxic masculinity, I disagree. I look at my wife, hard work, toughness. She goes in at 6 in the morning every day to Athleta because she wants to work. She wants to contribute. That's power. Pausing ain't power. Pausing and quitting is cowardice in some worlds. Maybe not yours. Don't know. But in some worlds, pausing is, or quitting is cowardice. Now, I get it. We're all supposed to say, hey, my God, look. No, uh-uh. No. No. Not to me. Now, look, 
you can rip me all you want. Please do. doesn't matter to me. I mean, what are you going to do? Every article that's ever been written has been written about me being a bad guy, but I don't care. Pause's power is a horse bleep, an absolute horse bleep, disgusting, insulting ad to us. Powerade gives athletes the opportunity to step back and recharge. How? Powerade, how are you giving that? By telling us what to think? By making it okay for us to back out of obligations? That's what we are now as a country? No. I'm sorry. Hey, if I, what is it? It is better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Isn't it better to have tried and lost than to have quit? Or am I wrong about that? Uh, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I suppose I am. It is better to have loved and lost. What a bunch of crap that is. What a complete bunch of crap. Powerade, a company, is giving athletes the right to reset. What? You doing what now? Really? Tell my Uncle Jerry who worked 40 years in a steel mill. Tell my daughter who's up every day teaching school. Tell my brother who got up every morning to go to Scott Ladd Foods to work so he could pay for college. Are you insane? And we buy that crap. Why? Because it's easy. You know, that's exactly right. We buy it because it's the easiest thing in the world. I'm going to quit. Powerade obviously had a contract with Simone Biles. They had to fulfill that contract. And I don't know. I think it's crap. Come at me, hate me, I could care less. I mean, the truth of the matter is, I think it's total and complete crap. Hard work, effort, energy, giving your best is power. Quitting ain't power. Andrew Dockage, my son, next. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Oh, we got a legend. And if he looks like me, bad for him, good for me. Uh, But Andrew Dockett's stud, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, now Illinois State, assistant coach joins. I got to ask you, people ask me this all the time. What's the final four like? What's the final four hotel? You're a young coach. You're running these streets. It's New Orleans. What's it like at the final four for a young coach? Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, first off, thanks for having me on. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, but it, it's, you know, I've only experienced it once. Um, that was Minneapolis, I think two or three years ago. That was like the last time they really, you know, before COVID and everything. So, um, you know, it's just like that. It's really just a networking event. You know, I, I was, I was fortunate enough to see a lot of, um, a lot of former teammates, coaches, um, you know, coaches from the Big Ten, obviously, who I played against and things of that nature. So it's a, it's a networking event that I, I, I definitely recommend for, for young coaches. And there are a lot of young coaches there. 
um, GAs, managers that are trying to get in this profession. So I do think it is, there is some use to it for sure. Um, I, I said this earlier, and I'm curious your thoughts on this because you were, we're different generations, obviously. You're inside basketball. I'm not, you know, but you saw how the games went, right? I've said this, we guys my age, you know, ESPN, whatever, we want to whine and moan about the state of college basketball. When I look at the state of college basketball, man, dudes are out there balling and balling. balling. What does a young guy see on the state of college? Yeah, go ahead. No, go I, ahead. I, I, see the, I see the exact same way. I think it's it, it's changed a lot where, honestly, guys just seem bigger and stronger. And, and, and you know, it's, every, every team is obviously different and every player is obviously different. But, like, for the most part, I think the skill level has grown. I always try to compare, like, you know, as a competitor to me, I'm sure you did this as well. Like, I I always think, like, yo, if I'm, if I'm better than them, like, if I'm better than that dude at, you know, let's say Duke or something like that. Um, it, it's it, that I, that's my evaluation period on if they're a good player or not. Like, obviously, that's they they are, but it's like that's my evaluation spectrum, uh, if that makes sense. So, it, it, the, I think college basketball is in great hands. I think it was a great tournament. I think it was a great ending to a tournament. Um, and I, I feel like those last 12 to 10 minutes, we saw literally everything you could possibly see. Um, you know, from Puff Johnson um, throwing out to, you know, Baycott playing on one leg just to get back down. And then, obviously, um, the ending. So, uh, I think college basketball is in obviously really, really good hands. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, all I hear is complaining about college basketball. I'm going to miss this NCAA tournament. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Hold on. Sorry, sorry, say that again. I said, I'm going to miss this NCAA tournament. It's been that Oh, good. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy because, like, you know, and, and obviously, like, for teams – you know, like us, we're, we're, we're done. Right. So you're trying to figure out what, you know, we're in the transition phase of, of the, the transfer portal, like trying to establish a team and everything like that. But, you know, you want to watch these games as well because they're so high level. And obviously that first weekend, it's like, it's from whatever, 11, 11 AM to, 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 uh, to 12 AM, uh, central time. Um, so it, it's it's really a lot of fun, and uh, I'm I, I will miss it for sure. I hope we're a part of it next year because that would be more that it's a lot better than watching it. That's for sure. Yeah, let's go to that. So now you're with Ryan Peden. Ryan takes over at Illinois State. Illinois State, a terrific basketball history there. They've actually had the number one pick in the draft, Doug Collins, a long time ago, but they've had a number of draft choices. It's in the Missouri Valley. But it is a new program, obviously new coaching staff there because the program didn't do well. Now the Final Four is over. Explain to people the work involved putting together a team uh, including your own guys coming back, getting workouts in with guys and making sure the off-court stuff, all that goes into being an assistant right now. Yeah, right now it's just like the get-to-know-you process. Um, and in terms of our team, like, we're, we're it's it's a clean slate, right? Like, you know, they don't know us, we don't know them. So how do we build a relationship with them right away, going into spring and summer workouts and have them believe in the, the vision that Coach Peden has put together? Um, and I, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's obviously a process. Um, some guys, some guys 
buy in. Some guys don't, and that's okay. Like everyone's different. Um, and it's it, the transfer portal is obviously uh, an attraction these days where, you know, there's teams that can get five to eight guys. Like I've seen teams and, and I've seen teams, you know, get an entire new roster and be really, really good as well. So um, that's a huge part of it as well. Like with the evaluation period, um, watching, uh, watching clips from other guys around the, around the country that are playing collegially. So, uh, it's a balance to try to figure out. Uh, it's it's like honestly, it's like free agency where people are you know people are just uh, but they're deciding on where they want to go um, and who they want to be recruited by. So it's a uh, it, it's a lot, but it, it's also it's also a lot of fun um, getting to know getting to know kids um, and just just having those relationships uh, and, and back and forth like banter, really, honestly. How, how do you know there's a thousand kids in the portal? Okay, obviously there are some you know, but you know you were in the CAA last year at Elon. You've been in the Big Ten. You know a bunch of guys, but like, how, do you watch a certain amount a day? Like when you were home last week or whenever it was, all you were was on the, you know, watching clips, right? I mean, how many how many guys do you watch a day? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it could be anywhere the range of probably three to 15 really. Um, and, and that's not just like what, you know, I, I feel like you gotta be thorough with it. Um, and I, and I, who, who am I to say anything right now? Right. Cause like, you know, I'll, I, maybe I'll have some credibility this time next year. Like, Hey, I saw this kid from this school and I saw something, you know, that people didn't, didn't like, and we brought him and he was unbelievable for us. Like I have no, I, I have no credibility or sweat equity behind that right now. So it's trying to just learn, uh, learn from what I, what I, what I, what I brought from uh, Ohio state and, and at Elon and try to bring in myself and, you know, try to try to do as best I can. Cause I, I've been around some really, really good mentors and coaches um, that I, I hoping as I obviously still in the process of, of, of trying to do really well at this thing. Yeah, I mean, so we, you go through all this. People ask me this all the time, and I don't think I've ever asked you this. Like, with this NIL stuff, when you talk to a kid, do they ask you? Do they say, hey, look, what, what, what's your NIL package? Is that a, How does that work? I, yeah, I, I honestly, because that, that was established when I was at Elon, and we didn't, we didn't really experience it at all. Um, at Illinois State, it hasn't. I, I honestly, that's, that's a question that I probably need to, to figure out. Um, I know it's, it's predominantly like the big schools and the power five. Um, but you know, like, like anything you, you gotta, you gotta be productive and win games. And I think, you know, if, if we win games, that could possibly be a option for our kids. But like, you know, why, why would I, I, I always think of the mind and I tell like with guys like, yo, why would, why would I pay you X amount of dollars if you can't, if you can't produce, like if you can't produce on the court and win games. So I think it goes, I think it correlates. I really do. And I think if you win, if you like, let's say like, if you win, they will come to game. Like they say they, you know, there wasn't a great atmosphere or a lot of empty seats. Okay. win. I've seen that at Ohio state. Like my first year, we, we were projected to do anything in those first games. It was like, uh, it was like uh, playing in a auxiliary gym back in North Central, like, and then we started winning games. And by the end of it, we were having sellouts. So 
I think it all, I think it all correlates to what kind of productive, how, how productive you are on the court. How are you off, off, off the court? More importantly, that's a, that's, that's huge with me. And, you know, can you, can you, can you win a game and have high character and have high character doing it? So uh, I, I do, I do believe that it, it really all correlates together. That ain't. Are we going to like, but is it a, chi- is it a chicken and an egg? What comes first? Do you got to pay a guy NIL money to get a guy good enough to win games? I, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I truthfully don't know that answer. Maybe I shouldn't know that answer. Um, it, no, you should. It's a tough, it's a tough question. My answer I think would be, Hey, look, we're going to pay guys as much money as we possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Would be, like, well, that, that would be right. it. Like, hey, we're going to get you. Hey, we got State Farm here. We're going to pay you whatever a zillion dollars. Yeah, I don't but, care. Whatever but, you need. But we can't, we can't provide them that option. Like, I'm, I'm almost certain, again, I, I'm so new to it, right? Like, I haven't experienced like, – I didn't get to experience it at Ohio State where I've heard they've, you know, done this, that, and the other. Like, no, I was at, I was at Elon, and there was no, you know, businesses coming, running in – to get one of our players, uh, you know, 500 to a thousand bucks. So no, I'm not using that at all. I'm just, and maybe, maybe I should, but like, I don't, I don't even know if I'm uh, truth. I don't even know if I'm allowed to. So. I don't think you, I don't, yeah, I don't think you are, but I, 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 to, I also feel it's a weird world. In, yeah. Huh? I think, I think it's, it's all on their own. Like I can't, I can't do it for them is I, is I'm pretty sure that's my knowledge, but I, I you're right. That's a good, I we're doing this on air and you're asking me it's something I don't know. Maybe it should have been all, but I, I, I actually, I genuinely don't know um, that question because it hasn't come up yet. And that's just such a different ballpark for me right now. Yeah. And you're, and you guys right now, you're trying to, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're trying to keep the guys that I get, does it work? Well, let me go this route. I, you know what? I should talk to you more when you're home. Cause now that I'm talking to you, I'm kind of interested. I know. <laughs> like, yeah. like, does does it work both ways? Does it work like, all right, since everyone can leave whenever they want, and actually the portal, you don't even have to tell the coach. Is it okay now, or is it easier now for coaches to run guys off? Um, yeah, I I think so. I've never been with um part of a coaching staff that's really done that. I think. You know, I don't. I think coaching staffs. I think some coaches. I let me put it like this. I think the coaches that I've been around have been completely honest with guys that may not be able to play last year, and we're looking for a spot. And we and you say like, and people say, you know, and and that usually that that's really not attractive to players, right? Because you want to play, so they're like, okay, I'll fill the yeah. transfer portal, and it's not like those. Like everyone that's transferred from schools I've been, it's never been, it's never been messy. So what I'm saying is, is like, all right, they were honest with me. They told me I wasn't really going to play and I don't fit here and they don't, they don't see the vision with me. So I'm going to put myself in the portal and hopefully get an option too. So I, 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 that's, that, that's what I know from the coaches that I've been around. So. Yeah. No, I get that because that's the best way to just be honest with people. Yeah. I think the re- reason I ask you these questions is because I think the public perception, I think you're giving a great insight into what's real. Like people think that every divorce player and program is messy. You know, I'm mad at you. You're mad at me. And that's not really how it is. It's basically a sit down 
where you're just like, hey, this is the reality of your situation. You know, how are we going to work out what's best for you? That's the, that, I don't think people get that. I think you're doing a pretty good job of explaining that this isn't all like, hey, man, we got six car dealerships lined up to give you a Benz. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, that, that's not, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. It could work somewhere else, man. It ain't working where I've been. I might be, I, I, I don't know. I haven't, I, like I said, I haven't, I haven't dealt with the NIL whatsoever. So I, I don't know that realm. All right, let me go. Let me go this route with yeah. you. In your recruiting and putting a team together, mm-hmm. you know, we saw in the. It's it's kind of interesting. Who are the first? What's the first position? Now I know it's based on who comes back for your team and all <laughs> that, that. But overall, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, you're not? what? Why? Huh? I'm I'm just telling you. We're looking at Why? pieces that fit what Coach Ryan Peden wants to do here at Ohio State. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, except except you're not at Ohio State. At, you're at Illinois at, State. At Illinois State. Holy smokes. We get- so you're not gonna tell you're not gonna tell me, hey, look, we're you know, I think to put a team together you need a stretch four. You need a really good stretch four. You need a point guard. Yeah, you know, in, in the NCAA yeah, tournament. Yeah, right? you need all of that. I, I don't know what we're – what I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not going to go – I love you. I, I, I'm not going to go on your show and tell you, like, we need this, that, and the other. Like, no, I'm still trying to figure out our team, like the guys that we have. Like, we those are our guys now, and that's what we're, we're going to work with those guys. Like, they are our guys. And, and if it works out here, great. And if it doesn't, we'll try to help them out. But I'm not, I'm not here saying that. See – What? See, you're playing from a position of defense. Don't play defense. <laughs> like you got a guy here. You got you got a guy here that you really you know you want to keep, and he's a point guard. I don't know. I don't know your team. Ah, hey, look, we're looking for a point guard that wants to be here and run the damn team. That's a position of offense. That puts it on that guy. You're right. You see, what I'm you're saying. You're right. You're right. But I. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I do. I, I, I defer and say I play defense. I play defense. I wasn't good at it. I was only because I was only on the I was only on the court as a defender. Anyways, I wasn't on there to score. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But I'm telling you, if you're the head coach, maybe you can play offense. See, head coaches. So, I think well, I did. And Nothing. Go ahead. go ahead. Head coaches are always talking to their players. Yeah. And that includes through the media. So if there's a guy, you know, hey, look, we got a point guard here we'd love to keep. But, hell, if his ass ain't going to stay here, we're going to go get six more point guards. You know, I mean, that's all. No, that's true. Why? That's true, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I, hey, we could have a private conversation off air and we could talk. <laughs> I'm not discussing what we're trying to do on your show right now. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to like? Well, I didn't. I, I no, I was. I wasn't actually. When I asked you the initial question, I was asking it more in a broad sense. I was asking more where basketball is going because it was just interesting to me last night, man. You saw, you know, you saw one team that really went to Baycott and, and the other team that fit in David McCormick. So, 
you know, everybody tells me it wasn't necessarily Illinois State. I, I didn't mean it that way. I meant it in a broad sense of where basketball is. You know, everybody says guards win championships. And obviously, last night, Remy Martin was a big part of that. That's what I was saying. I wasn't asking specific to Illinois State. Oh, well, in that case, well, you made it sound like it was specific to Illinois State. So, I know. Like, yeah, I didn't we mean run to. the no, tape no, no, back, I and I'm pretty sure that would be right. We can also. Yeah. yeah. No, I said you're right. You're right. I didn't mean it that way. Sometimes, yeah. No, no I, didn't, I meant it more, you know, are big guys still that important? No, I you know think, what I mean? Everybody talks about shooting, but damn, big big guys show. I think guards win championships. I've always believed that. And I think if you have a you have a good player and Baycott and guys like that, that's that's obviously an additional bonus. But I've always believed that guards win 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 championships and and you know, there's guard, and by a guard, I mean there could be a three or four man that can dribble the ball. Like there's a lot of three or four men um, across the country that can't dribble the ball. But if you have a three or four man that, you know, I, I honestly I think of like our, our Michigan team at uh, my my freshman year. You got you got four dudes on the court that can dribble the basketball, and they play for a national champ. Now this is a few years ago, obviously, but that's kind of the landscape of college basketball with some of these teams that can play four guys that could dribble the basketball and I consider that a guard like I would put them through a guard workout is what I'm trying to say um instead of like a post workout but there's there you know that's why um and if, if our best player is a big that's fine like well like we're not we're not like we're not mad about that like we got a dominant big that you can go to and 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 they got a double team every single time and you got shooters around them all right great like let's play through him um, but it just seems like guards always, always win. Like that Baylor team last year, pretty much had four guards out there. So it's uh, it, it it's obviously it's different um, for each team. But I've always, I've personally, I've always believed that. So yeah, no, no, no. Like I always ask people, like, well, okay, what position does Draymond Green play? Yeah, he's like, oh, <laughs> like I mean, three uh, through five, <laughs> one through five. Yeah. Yeah, the Chicago Bulls, you know, the Chicago, yeah, two through five. Everybody, or maybe one, one through, through five, five. Yeah. Like everybody talks about, everybody talks about the Chicago Bulls back in with Michael Jordan. They had guys the same height. Like everybody was six six to six eight. Yeah. Like, right, and then they had a big guy. You know what I mean? And every, I totally agree. Like I think positionless basketball, wouldn't you agree, is pretty much the wave of the future or the wave of right yeah, now? Yeah, that's a better way to describe it. Just saying, like all guards out there. I think just positionless basketball, like some, like. Like, for instance, sometimes a three and a four man is not going to uh, bring the ball up the court, I guess. So I, I think positionless basketball is um, exactly uh, exactly like it has been successful in the NCAA tournament. It has had a lot of success for a lot of great teams throughout college basketball, I should say. Hey, you mentioned Puff Johnson, man, throwing up on the court. You know, you came off the bench. Uh and did a lot of what Pup Johnson did, like influenced the game. Yeah. Like, how how difficult is it to do what he did? And actually, I think how cool was it that he was going so freaking hard that he puked on the court? Yeah, I think it's amazing, especially you know, I yeah we we I was it said he had he was averaging two point eight points per game. He's here averaging eleven. I averaged three, and I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like it's like that's that's what you root for. Um, and why his why his is so much more impressive is because he's ju he's just a freshman. Like you know you 
you go through college and you like you, you you mature right like you get older and you start seeing stuff i see i was seeing a lot um being at being at michigan prior to ohio state and obviously being around you so i felt like i know the game but this kid was a freshman that honestly didn't play that much um in the beginning of the season the middle of the season whatever and and he was ready and and I, I've, I've known that he came on a visit to us and it, and it, and it, and it makes sense why he had that kind of game because like, he's an unbelievable, he's a great kid. And it was, re- it was awesome to see him ready for that kind of moment. Um, and he's playing so hard. Like you say that I've never seen that before where he just throws up, he just throws up on the, on the court like that. But uh, man, that was, that, there was, that was, he was a great storyline. You root for kids like that. Yeah, you do. Hey, last thing, last thing. Did the best team win? The best team in college basketball win? Yeah, they won the national championship. You got to go with that. I think so. Who's your number one pick in the draft? Oh man, um, like like you you got you guys played you know Duke, North Carolina, Arkansas, you know West Virginia. I mean, you played yeah with last year. Who, who's your number yeah. one pick? Would Ben Carroll be would would Ben Carroll be a guy? Ben Carroll, I, I well, seeing him in person was like he like he had the he had he had everything, uh, and, and I mean you know like he had that he had that bill like six ten two fifty. I'm like that's got take. No, he's six ten two fifty. Um, like Jabari um, from from Auburn is really attraction, and Jay and Ivy. It depends, man. Like you know, getting him in open space, like. Like the NBA game, I feel like is made out for a guy like Jaden Ivey, to be quite frank. Um, he he would be he he would be obviously he he's got to work on things just like everyone does. I mean, what am I trying what am I trying to say? Um, but he he's an attraction, so I don't think you could go wrong with with really. Uh, I'd go Jaden Ivey. Let's say that there. I talked myself into it. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's what happens though. Like Jaden Ivey is going to be the guy. If he's tough enough, you know, to that if you don't take, wait a second here, why why didn't you take the guy that's leading the league in scoring? You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he, I don't know. I, I think that it's an interesting draft. I didn't think it was. And then more I watched Ben Carroll, I'm like, well, hell, I'd take him. After all years saying I'd take Ivy. And then I watched Jabari Smith, and I'm like, well, you know, that's the NBA guy. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. And then I like Keegan Murray, and I like Johnny Davis. So and I don't know. You know, you, you don't like you like Chet Holmgren or no? I do. I think he's odd. Like I don't like when I, you and I sat there uh, years ago in Fort Wayne and watched Anthony Davis. Remember, we turned around and went yeah, back yeah. and we watched yeah. him play. And you could see Anthony Davis was skinny, but his shoulders were this wide, right? right? And you knew his body was going to become huge. You see Holmgren, his shoulders are this wide, and you're like, man, I don't know, but. Dude knows how to play off of others. Dude knows how to get the ball in the bucket, and the dude knows how to block a shot. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. No, that's 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 a good break. That's a all right. That's a good comparison. What do you got today? What do you got today? What 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 is a big time uh, coach don't got today? Ca- what are we don't doing? Ca- don't cast me like that. Uh, no, right now we have team study hall. Uh, it's talking to recruits, and then we got workouts this afternoon um, uh, with our team. So it's a, it's, it's a busy day. We obviously all just got back. We actually all just got back yesterday. Um, we had a team workout last night with the entire team and then ate, watched the first half all together. 
uh, in the locker room and had and, and had food for them. So, like I like kind of I mentioned earlier, it's it's about getting to know our guys because we're so new, um, and 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 you know we want to we want to build relationship with them. And what we talked about earlier with the transfer portal, if 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 it works out here, great. If it doesn't, we'll help you find somewhere else. And that's kind of the dialogue that's that's going on right now. And then we got to try to put a roster together. So. That's right, man. We're wearing red today. Go Redbirds. This isn't for Kansas. This is for Illinois State. Go Redbirds. Love, love you, kid. Thanks for right, coming thanks on. Thanks for having me on. See you, kid. That's my son. Don't at me. The great Andrew Dockage. Love that kid. Kid will give you an opinion. Uh, when we come back, I got awards to give. <laughs> I got awards from the NCAA tournament. Uh, we're going to go and do that. Then Brad Davison from Wisconsin is going to join. I love that kid. Don't at me. We'll be right back. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey, welcome back. It is Don't At Me. It is award time, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. The NCAA tournament has concluded. So we're going to give out some awards. Obviously, the best team won. thought Kansas was the best team. I thought Kansas was terrific. The only game where, well, they were obviously really challenged last night, but as they went through the tournament, I, I thought they were terrific. Uh, I thought the second half they played against Miami. First half's not so great for Kansas. Second half, pretty damn good. But, ladies and gentlemen, The team of the tournament was not Kansas. Yes, they won. Yes, they cut down the nets. Yes, Mark Emmert called them Kansas City. Called them Kansas City. What the hell? I got to get What the Hell Wednesdays back. Tomorrow we got What the Hell Wednesday. My God, man. You don't call them Kansas City. But anyway, the team of the tournament wasn't Kansas. It was not Duke. It was not North Carolina, although you can make a case for North Carolina. In my opinion, the team of the tournament uh, was St. Peter's. And we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. We will. But I do want to go into the coach of the tournament. The coach of the tournament, guess who? St. Peter's. Shaheen Holloway. Look, they did catch lightning in a bottle, there's no question. But when you look at the run that they went on and the way they were coaching, the toughness that they showed, you can talk about anything you want in basketball. You can talk about X's and O's. You can talk about recruiting. You can talk about whatever. Hey, a guy's got a great inbound play. I actually had a guy that I sat on a set with say that you could tell a great coach by how their inbound plays are. And I'm like, no, you can tell a guy that practices inbound plays. But Shaheen Holloway's teams 
were really well put together, which you just heard my son talking about at Illinois State, is one of the most important things that there is. Like, you've got to put teams together. You've got to put teams together that fit, that have chemistry. What is chemistry? I don't know. But I know it when I see it, and I know it when I feel it. It's like that Supreme Court justice said about pornography. But the truth of the matter is, Shaheen Holloway's team was really well put together. You had some athletic guys up front. You had a bunch of quick guards. You had a shooter, and away you went. Chemistry of the team, I mean, you could see it. When Shaheen Holloway went and became the head coach of uh, Seton Hall, his whole St. Peter's team was there. I'm not sure I've ever seen that. But I'm glad I did because I thought that was really cool. And then on the court, look, they kept the ball moving. They ran stuff that was really hard to defend at the right time. Remember the three? Remember the three that the Eater kid hit top of the key against Kentucky to tie? That was a hell of a set. Most coaches, if you're smart, will clip that set and have that for winning time. Sheen Holloway didn't just put together a tough bunch of dudes that went out and balled. He put together a tough bunch of dudes that were incredibly well coached that went and balled very smart, very tough, and very, very organized in every situation. They never came apart. Yes, North Carolina had too much quickness for him. Yes, they were outmatched physically against North Carolina, but they weren't against Kentucky. They weren't against a very big, long Murray team. Not a huge length, but length, Murray, huge. When you watch Murray against St. Peter's, you're like, all right, the run ends here. The run ends here. It's over. Done. Goodbye. Hasta la vista. Sayonara. Lacanoche. Whatever the hell you speak, that's what it was. You thought it was over. It wasn't. Then they played Purdue, who's got men like are seven foot three, and they got two of them that are big and strong. Wings are big and strong. Guards are really good. They don't turn the ball over. Well, guess what? Purdue couldn't even run offense. A really good offensive brain in Matt Painter, a really good offensive system that incorporates movement and cutting and all this stuff, couldn't even run offense. No offense. (laughs) That's the coach of the year. That's the coach of the tournament. He was fantastic, Shaheen Holloway, and I'm really looking forward to see if he can take that mentality and that degree of coaching, recruit, I would play for him. I thought he was very cool. And uh, see if he can do that in the Big East. Big East, no joke now. Big East, no joke. Thad Mata coming into the league. You got a team that's in the Final Four, no joke. Player of the tournament. You heard yesterday, man, David McCormick is inconsistent. David McCormick is really good. But, no, man, David McCormick showed out in the big moments. It started, really, in the first half against Miami. Even though Miami was up at half, David McCormick played really, really well. Then, in the second half against Miami, David McCormick played not one, not two, not three, not four, but five minutes. That's it. Five minutes. So in that five minutes, they went to him, scored eight or nine, eight, scored seven points in the five minutes, ended up with 15 points in 15 or 18 minutes of play, and was really the difference in the ball game. It allowed Kansas to go from down to up. It allowed Bill Self to play small, which is what he needed to do. And next thing you know, Kansas rolled. And then when they got in the Final Four, let's be honest, 
He was the dominant factor in the semifinal win. He was. I mean, let's be 25. Dave McCormick went and got 25. He was playing against smaller guys from Villanova. They could not guard him inside. He made himself available. He finished with both hands. I mean, people, I saw yesterday people saying, well, you know, McCormick played against, you know, small guys, six foot two, six foot five. That's fine. But sometimes smaller guys push you out. And you got to do things you don't want to do, which is go to your left hand. If you watched last night, they were playing David McCormick's shoulder like David McCormick was going to go to this hand. Well, excuse me, in the game against Miami, he went this way with his left hand, and it was really impressive. David McCormick was a player of the tournament. Player of the game last night, you can make an argument the most valuable player was Remy Martin. Remy Martin came off the bench and dropped 14 points. He hit four big threes, and he, I think he hit three of them in the second half. He was a mess. There were two Remy Martins. There was Remy Martin in the first half who was awful. He banked in a three. The shot was all over the ice. And this showed you some real toughness, right? This dude lit it up in the second half. He got in that right corner, and it was whap, 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 whap. A little Remy in the evening. That's a weird face. I don't like the way I look. Anyway, Remy Martin was terrific. But I got to give the player 15 and 10 last night, and he went up against a monster in Baycott. Warrior of the tournament, I don't have this here, but the warrior of the tournament was Baycott, man. Baycott, don't t- He shouldn't have played. It's a national championship. Brady Manic had a concussion. Good. He'll be fine. Put him in a dark room today. He'll be fine. The biggest disappointments of the tournament. Man, this one's easy. This one's really easy. Uh, We got three. We got Kentucky. We got Iowa. And we got Purdue. Two of them lost in the first round. I'm not surprised at Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky stunk when I watched them play at the end of the year. I know they beat Kansas, and I know they beat Kansas bad. They didn't stink that night, but that was about two or three weeks before the end of the basketball season. I don't care about that. I want to know how you're playing now. And I got to tell you, when I watched Kentucky against Tennessee to end the season, they looked awful to me. They had nothing different than any other team in the country. They didn't look bigger, stronger. They didn't look more athletic. They didn't look like nothing. Now, was I surprised they lost to St. Peter's? Yes. I had them losing in the second round. If I could find my tore up, burnt up bracket. But I thought Kentucky wasn't very good. So how are they disappointing? Look, I don't give a damn. You are Kentucky. I don't care if you look good, bad, happy, or sad. The coach's salary is more than the athletic budget by three times at St. Peter's. You don't lose to St. Peter's. You can make all the excuses, you can talk all you want, you can say whatever you want, you don't lose to St. Peter's when you're Kentucky. And I'm going to use a word I like to use, period. Ever. Ever. I don't care. Well, you know, St. Peter's went on a run. Look how good St. Peter's is. Great. Kentucky should never lose to St. Peter's in the NCAA term. Well, you don't understand. Dan Holloway's really good as a coach. He was very good, and they hit. They got a high street. Great. You should never lose to St. Peter's when you are Kentucky. 
you know, we all talk about this, right, how it's the haves and the have-nots. Well, there's nobody more have than Kentucky. And really, in the NCAA tournament, there's nobody more have-not than St. Peter's. That should not happen. They're the biggest disappointment. Second on the list, and look, you can rank them however you'd like, but I'd say second on the list was Iowa. And this isn't personal because I picked Iowa to go to the Final Four. I told you this before. I believed in Iowa. Oh, mama. Oh. No. First time ever. First time I've ever believed in Iowa. Iowa being Iowa is one of my favorite sites. I'm going on the YouTube chat right now. Those people on the YouTube chat watch my TV, um, watch my radio show in Indy. You know what I always say about Iowa? Iowa's going to Iowa. Tell me I'm wrong, Jennifer. Tell me I'm wrong, Sean Black. Tell me I'm wrong, Joe to the Sea. Tell me I'm wrong, Van Pasterman. Tell me I'm wrong. You know I say it all the time. Iowa's going to Iowa. Well, what did my dumbass do? Well, you know. I'm the smartest guy in the world. I see Iowa can really score. I see Iowa, well, you know, they've got a guy in Keegan Murray who's the player of the year in the country and can go get buckets. Yeah? Here, pull this. It plays Jingle Bells. Iowa's really good. Don't you know? Iowa. Yeah, yeah well, let me tell you what Iowa did. Iowa took a big old dump in the bed. That's right. And they lost to Richmond. First time I've ever believed in Iowa. You can tell I'm antsy about this. I'm in a stance. Jay Tony, you guys know on my show, I say it all the time. I'm looking here on the YouTube chat. Jeez. I bought into them. They always disappoint. There's like something in the Iowa DNA that tells you they're going to screw you. I don't care the sport either. They're going to win nine games, eight games, ten games in football, and they ain't doing nothing. But I like Fran, and I like their team, and I like their, you know, Bohannon hits the shot against Indiana, and hey, look. But Iowa going to Iowa. And then lastly, there's Purdue. See what I did here? One team, two teams that lost in the first round. And, hey, look, Purdue went to the Sweet 16. What are you talking about? Yeah, no. Purdue's a huge disappointment. Purdue should never lose to St. Peter's. If Purdue, this is what's interesting about the world of college basketball. I tell you this all the time. And, in fact, at ESPN, yes, Sean Black, Iowa going to Iowa. Hey, Dan, maybe Iowa was like Indiana and they were tired. They were tired. Xavier Johnson told me, you played five games in eight days. Well, how about this, Xavier? Don't go 90 down a road in frickin' Bloomington. Get your dumb ass arrested. How about that? How about you stay in at night instead of being at sports, you guys? Huh? I don't know. Iowa going to Iowa. Purdue, look, I said this before. Purdue people get mad. I haven't heard much from them. But here's the hike. Lucy's putting the ball down. Charlie Brown is going to kick it. Lucy pulls the ball and shoot. Right on his back goes Charlie Brown. 
That's Purdue basketball. That's been Purdue basketball since 1980. I don't know. The last time they went to the Final Four. Great regular season. Fantastic. We're going to kick the game winner. Ball is down. Charlie Brown. And guess what colors Charlie Brown is wearing when Lucy does that to him? I'll give you a hint. They're black and gold. You want to know what colors Purdue are? Is black and gold. It's not a coincidence, people. Charles Schultz knew about Purdue basketball. And you know what color Iowa is? Black and gold. He knew. He knew. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, the man knew. Oh, Charlie Brown. Agnes. Yeah, Purdue lost in the Sweet 16, but this is the best Purdue team in 30 years, I was told, since the big dog ruled the roost. This is our year, they told Indiana fans. This is where we go. We're getting back to the Final Four since Lee Rose took us in 1980. Big dog hurt his back. Somebody else hurt something. Robbie Hummel, the baby boilers. It don't matter. I mean, Indiana can do that, and these are for national championships. It don't matter. Purdue going to Purdue. Next time you see Purdue next year in Mac Arena, and they talk about this is the greatest gym in the world. Think about Charlie Brown and Lucy. How many times can I do it? I don't know. I can do it a lot, and I kind of like the analogy. Uh, there you go. But Purdue, in my opinion, is the worst. No, not the worst. They just, in that level of disappointment. All right. Best, well, they got me with best announcer of the tournament. The best announcer of the tournament is Kevin Harlan. Like, Kevin Harlan is always the best announcer of the tournament. Yeah, Hello, friends. That's great. I love hearing Jim Nance's voice. Raph and uh, Hill, they are what they are. They're going to giggle. But the announcer of the tournament is Kevin Harlan. Cheerleader retrieving the ball is the moment of the tournament. Non-basketball division. The cheerleader at Indiana going up top, and I know they did it twice. I understand that. But the truth of the matter is the cheerleader going up, and you're seeing it here, knocking the ball out is all us Hoosiers have. That's all we got. We didn't show up at Indiana to play against, well, I guess they beat Wyoming, but they didn't show up to play against St. Mary's. Purdue didn't show, couldn't get it done. They showed, but they couldn't get it done against St. Peter's. So what do we got in Hoosier land? We got a cheerleader hoisting a cheerleader, knocking a ball out. Best moment, NCAA. And I know it happened in another game, but hey, look, I'm in Indiana, and I like the cheerleading coach. So there you go. Cheerleaders are my friends, always have been. I've always liked them. Fun people. Fun, fun people. So there you go. That's the moment for us. Best facial hair. Best facial hair is a tough one because there's some good facial hair in this NCAA tournament. It used to be in the NCAA tournament that guys didn't have facial hair. My rule at Bowling Green was no facial hair. I even don't even know why I did that. Coach and I did it, so I did it. It was stupid. But anyway... The facial hair of the NCAA tournament was terrific, but none better than this. Doug Eater. Now, Doug Eater, the kid from St. Peter's, went straight porn stash. Those of you that don't know the 70s, oh, they were glorious. Hair pulled back. 
Tinted glasses. Actually, my brother was so cool. His glasses tinted inside and outside. If you went outside, they got dark. If you went inside. The porn stash was rolling. I could have gone with Drew Timmy. He went all the way down here. But when you're subtle and you just got the little porn stash, it's like the 16, 15-year-old whose stuff is first coming in. It's first coming in, and you look good, baby. Yeah, you do. You look good. You got that little porn stash. I used to have, we called it the Mick. I always liked having a little Mick here. Mick was Mickey Johnson, played for the Chicago Bulls. He had a little bit of stuff here. When I tell my wife I'm thinking, I go to the beard. She'll ask me a question, and I'll immediately go like this. Some thought. You can smell wood burning up there. Ooh, there's smoke coming out. But anyway, you know who can go to the beard? Brady Manic. Brady Manic went from shaved head Ollie of Hoosiers. Go back and watch the movie. You'll get the reference. To Bill Walton, early 70s, mid-70s, Portland Trailblazers, when Walton was hanging out with Patty Hearst, living in a teepee, smoking weed, and winning championships. The look on Brady Manic. Here's the deal with Brady Manic. Brady Manic could go shave today. If Brady Manic is getting hassled by people, he could go shave today, cut his hair with a nice little part, get rid of this, and he could walk right down Franklin Street and no one's going to know who he is. Seriously, he could. <laughs> he could walk right down Franklin Street. And, you know, get him a little cardigan, get him a little argyle. That's, you know, North Carolina argyle, like powder blue. Have a book in his hand, maybe a little tie pulled down. Cut the hair, cut the beard, part the hair a little bit. Yeah, he could. That's how glorious that look is. When you have a look that if you changed, nobody would know who you are, That'd be big time. Now, in Manning's case, you'd probably have to be sitting because there aren't a whole lot of six foot ten redheaded guys, I'm sure, walking around campus at North Carolina. But if he were sitting, no beard, parted, glorious. See, I think eater people would still know. They'd just be like, dude, you shaved your head. You, you, you cut off your mustache. Huh. So those are my awards. They're important. Before we go and get to Brad Davison, anybody see this nonsense with Colin Kaepernick? So Colin Kaepernick, who is, you know, a martyr, right? In certain ways, I respect Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick stood up for what he believed. He's, you know, if you believe it's strictly for the reasons, for the ideals that he set forth, then good for you. If they are, they are, they aren't, they aren't. He made a lot of money being a martyr, but he also... He also has said that playing in the NFL is slavery, which is always the stupidest thing ever if you know what slavery truly was and how brutal it was to people. I mean, if you truly know, then you would never compare anything to slavery. Like, I get you work for the man when you are playing pro football. I get it. You go and it's like a meat market where you're proud proud and blah, 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 blah. I get all that. But if you want to say that's slavery, I think you're out of your mind. And... Colin Kaepernick's made a hell of a living. I mean, one hell of a living. 
But why does Colin Kaepernick want more slavery? If it isn't truly slavery, I don't know of any slave that wanted to go back into slavery. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that. Certainly, you know, not folks that worked in the fields didn't. Maybe in the house, but I don't think in the fields they did. But Colin Kaepernick is up to something, and I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. I think Colin Kaepernick has a bigger plan here. I think we're all missing it. I Look, good for Jim Harbaugh for letting Kaepernick come out and throw the football around. Good for Kaepernick for begging his way. But it seems like it's beneath Kaepernick. Like, one thing that I have said about Kaepernick is, you know what, he's kind of played the martyr role perfectly. He shut up. He did his thing. He made his videos. He made his docuseries. But he's up to something. There's a bigger thing going on here with Kaepernick. Kaepernick isn't just trying to get back into football. You know, I tell you this all the time. There is always a backstory. There is never not a backstory. What you see in front of you is not what you, what actually is. And there is literally nobody, if they truly believe in slavery, and this is slavery, there's nobody that wants to go back into that. Look, if you tell me I don't want to play football because I don't want to get my head bashed in, man, we all get that, don't we? Man, you know what? I've had four concussions and I don't want to play football. I understand that. But if you tell me I don't want to play football because it's slavery, that's, Like, all right, then you should never want to go back. What's he doing? What's he doing? See, I don't think, I don't think even for a second that this is just about trying to get on an NFL team. But I don't have the answer to what it's all about. I don't. But there is something because there's always a backstory. You don't all of a sudden see a guy that was so against an institution and the institution in this case being the NFL. You don't, you don't see a guy want to get back in this if he feels as strongly as he did. Let's take maybe possible reasons. One, wants to play football. Maybe the dude just wants to play football. Maybe he misses football, wants to play football. Two, maybe he doesn't have any money. Seems like he's got money. Like, I, I remember Isaiah Thomas, when he was the head of the Players Association, told Coach Knight and I this. He said, look, 52 cents of every dollar you make as a professional athlete is gone. So basically, between agents' fees, union fees, taxes, 52% is gone. That's what he said. I don't know if it's true. I'm just telling you what he said, and I've always kind of stuck with that. Maybe he needs money. Maybe he misses the glory. Maybe he wants to get back on the field to further what he feels like are his causes. I don't know. But I'm not buying that this is just some way to get back on the field and I'm good enough. Maybe he wants, I don't know, maybe he wants set records, set a legacy. I don't know. But I know this, slaves didn't want to go back to being slaves. You know, they didn't want to, they didn't want to go back. If, if, if the definition of what Kaepernick was saying about slavery is what I think it was by studying him, that means you don't want to go back to that, period. And if you've studied slavery at all, I mean at all, you don't want to go back to that. You don't voluntarily go back to that. You know, you just don't. And so there's a backstory here. 
Do I know what it is? I don't. But not one part of me buys that he just wants to get on a football team and be part of a football team. Not one part of me. In certain ways, he's bigger than that. I mean, in certain ways, he's more iconic than that. When the story of the NFL is told in the 2000s, Colin Kaepernick's going to be a massive part of it. And not because he took a team to the Super Bowl. Colin Kaepernick's going to be a massive part of it because of the kneel down and then because of him losing his career. I use the word martyr, and it's not necessarily in a negative context. I mean, he lost his career. Look, he lost his starting job. So maybe he didn't lose a career that was going to be a Hall of Fame career, but he certainly lost his career. And I, in certain ways, have always admired that. I haven't admired his anti-police stance at all. I've hated that. I haven't admired the some of the rhetoric coming out of his mouth relative to the NBA. It may be true. I don't know, but I haven't. But I do tell you what, when somebody takes a stand and it costs him big, hey, I look at you a little different. He might be above just being a backup. Does being a backup help his brand? I don't know. Is he about a brand? I don't know. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, This ain't just about throwing a football and being a backup. It's not. I don't care what you tell me. There's more to it than this. Stay tuned. And maybe that's what Kaepernick wants us to do. Maybe he wants us all to stay tuned. Maybe this is the pump that he needs to get us to pay more attention to him to do more stuff. I don't know. But it ain't about being a backup quarterback in the Detroit Lions, baby. (laughs) Yeah. No, it ain't about there's something more. But again, remember this. I'm always the guy that feels this way. I always tell you there's a backstory because there always been. There always is always a backstory. I always tell my listeners, hey, wait, wait for the backstory. It'll come. It always does. Uh, Brad Davison is 110 years old and he's a great basketball player at Wisconsin, but he became a villain. Big-time villain. Brad Davison is going to join us in a minute, the Wisconsin star. And he, he was a star. I don't know what's next for him. We're going to find out. I know he's getting married. But I'm looking forward to talking to Brad. I want to get his, in, in, his take on the NCAA tournament, get his take on NIL, get a player's take. We haven't had a player on. Let's get a player on. Brad Davison going to join us next. Stay right here. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. I love watching this kid play basketball. I mean, he's 110 years old, so maybe I shouldn't call him a kid. You guys have seen him in the Big Ten since I think I played. I think I guarded him and a kid named Roth and the Heineman brothers at Wisconsin back in 1984. I can't remember. Brad Davison from Wisconsin joins us. You are like, you're the poster child. Like, people go, man, how long has that guy been there? That's awesome, though. Congrats. I appreciate you. That's a good claim to fame. My uh, dream and goal growing up was to always play college basketball at the highest level. So very thankful I got to do it for 30, 40 years. (laughs) What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. 
Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Like, when you start as a freshman, and then obviously, you know, you, you start every game and your team is really good, so people always see you, That's that adds to it, and then... You know, COVID, you get an extra year. Was there ever a doubt in your mind that you were going to come back to Wisconsin for the extra year? I wouldn't say there was a doubt. There was kind of a waiting period where I really wanted to stay present in the moment of that first senior season. Um, and then there was about a three-week period of just reflection and conversations with family and friends, trying to figure out what was best for myself and my family. And I was always eager for the opportunity to live out my dream one more time in college basketball. So there was never really a doubt, but a little bit of time of reflection before I pulled the trigger on coming back. Hey, let me ask you about the tournament. Then I want to get into your journey and all the things going on with you. What'd you think of the tournament start to finish and, and, and walk people through what it's like walking off of the court when you know, this is my last game. There is no another year. It's the best tournament in sports, not just in college sport. I might be a little biased, but I personally believe it's the best tournament in, in sports because of the closure that comes with it. You know, there's only one team that celebrates at the end of the year, only one team that gets to win their last game. It's not like college football where there's 60-some bowl games and everyone gets to celebrate like they're a champion. Um, there's only one team that gets to do that. So I, I, truly, I, I really enjoyed being a part of it. Unfortunately, I never made it as far as I wanted to make it. But with that being said, so many great memories along the way. Um, how the tournament was great this year. A lot of parody. I don't know if there was really one team that stood out throughout the season, but obviously a really talented Final Four and a great national championship game last night. Um, but there's definitely a lot of emotions throughout the season, all the highs and the lows. And when you walk off the court for that last time, not knowing – the next time you'll pick up a basketball and knowing you'll not wear your respective jersey again, it's an emotional, emotional time. Yeah, because you put so much into it. I got to tell you, you guys had an unbelievable year. I, I've, I've said this many times. I'm doing my radio show. You guys are playing. I didn't see your exhibition games or anything like this. And over my shoulder, we got a TV, and you guys are playing Texas A&M in the first half. Uh, I think it was Maui, but it was in Vegas. And I'm telling you, Brad, you guys looked horrible. Like, I, I, I told, I, I said to our audience, I go, look, this may be the worst Wisconsin team I've ever seen since 1984. Like, I, I, you know, and then I watched the second half and I'm like, well, wait a second, this team going to be pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did, did the success, Big Ten champs and all that stuff, 
did that surprise you? How'd this all come about? I was actually, I was just got back from New Orleans in the final four and I was talking to Sasha Stefanovich from Purdue and he had the same story. He said he was watching that first half against Texas A&M and said, well, you don't have to worry about Wisconsin doing anything against us this year. <laughs> oh man. But it, it all came together this summer. You know, I think we knew, we knew the talent that we had. We knew the pieces that we had, but we were really young, didn't have a whole lot of experience. Um, and we'd never really been battle tested together. So once we got into the season, I think that Maui, the Maui Vegas Invitational was huge for us because not only did we have to battle back against Texas A&M and win a close game, but then we beat a really talented Houston team where we were up 20 points at halftime and then we had to hang on for dear life as they stormed back. And then we grinded one out in the championship against another really good team in St. Mary's. And when you, when you're able to win your Thanksgiving tournament and have those opportunities to bond and to raise your confidence level, well then, then you're a force to be reckoned with because you realize how good you can be and our confidence level continued to grow. And we also had one of the best players in the country on our team. So that always helps quite a bit. Yeah. Johnny Davis had a terrific year. Hurt you guys. You know, Iowa state, I thought Hepburn going down really hurt you guys. Yeah, that was huge. I think all year we played seven, eight guys, um, and that was great for us. We got a lot of guys that were on the floor for a long time. We got we got really good playing together, but also came back to bite us there that last game when Chucky went down in the first half. Um, and he just does so much for us. He really sets the tone defensively with ball pressure, which kind of takes their, you know, the offense out of rhythm. And then he, he orchestrates us on offense to where then Johnny and I can be off the ball making plays and coming downhill. So definitely – Definitely hurt us when he went down, but also you're not going to win many games when you go two for 24 from three and have 18 turnovers. That's not that's not how we're built to operate. So a lot of things that didn't go our way, um, but that's one of those games that I'm going to be thinking about for a long time to come. But again, that's the beauty of the tournament. Isn't that great? Isn't that yeah, don't that's like, probably I, love I'm, I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be 60 years old. And I swear to God, there are four games in my life. Uh, that I think about damn near yeah, every day. I I, and some, I, I, one of them's in the NCAA tournament. It's good. It's, I will never, I don't think I'll ever Go cheer ahead. for Iowa State ever again. It's not their fault. It's just how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, my deal is Virginia. I get, I get chills and, and I love Tony Bennett and Kyle Guy lives right here. And, uh, but I hate <laughs> it because I screwed up against them. You know what I mean? I totally, completely, uh, I yep. get it. When did you become the villain? When did you become the official villain of a Big Ten slash college basketball? What was the date? What what happened? I think I I think it's a title I earned over time, but the one <laughs> game I think that set it over the top was my sophomore year. We were playing NC State at home, and I took the five charges in a game, four in the second half, and it was on ESPN in a big game where we come back and win. And they had like, a, they had the ball one possession to go. It was, we were up by one point and they like isolated me on, a, on, a, on the left side. I took a charge in an isolation and that was for my fifth charge. And then, you know, kind of all heck broke loose after that game that charges were no longer a good thing in basketball for me. <laughs> and so I got a lot of heat from that. And I think that villain title just continued to, to grow from, uh, other fan bases and you know here I am today <laughs> did it ever bother you 
you know, when I was younger, my freshman and sophomore years, I think it definitely bothered me. Um, I had to mature past that stage. You, know, you come from high school where everyone loves you. You can do no wrong. Um, everything you read, every article that's written, every podcast that tells you how good you are. And then you get to college and it was the first time that, you know, I had so on so-called haters or people that maybe weren't huge fans of me and they weren't shy of letting their perspectives and opinions be heard and be written. Um, so that was a unique thing that I had not only to overcome, but just to adapt to and get used to because it comes with the territory. Um, but that being said, also, I know over time, I learned where my identity comes from. And that's as a man of faith, that's what scripture says about me. But that's also what my family and my friends and my coaches and my teammates say about me, the ones that, you know, they hang out with me every day and we get to do life with each other. And I learned over time that I control how much worth and how much value I give to the opinions of others. So definitely something that I struggled with at first, but I learned to not only adapt and overcome with, but also kind of use this fuel and start to enjoy quite a bit by the end of my career. Did you ever, did you ever intentionally cheap shot someone? No, no, only in practice. Only in practice gets a couple buddies or something to send a message, <laughs> but never in a game. See, you, I, I did. I with with Coach Knight. I don't know if you've ever seen the video of Coach Knight throwing a chair. Yep. Uh, I was I was sitting next to him, getting ready to go in the game. So I went in the game, and the guy Steve Reed that ran over like a punk. I thought to go retrieve the chair. I thought it was a punk move. So every time he was around me, I tried to hit him in the nuts. <laughs> I did. I mean, I literally, you know, I, I did. I'm, you know, I'm just, I like, yeah, you. Oh, man, I see some videos from 20, 30 years ago, of whether it's my assistant coaches or other assistant coaches playing ball. And those things wouldn't fly nowadays, that's for sure. No, because you would have, they would break it, slow it down. Like, it would slow it down. Like, here is a direct shot. <laughs> but... Reason I reason I asked you that question was because it, it playing now, you know, you are under such a microscope. You are under like every game, everybody knows you, and every slap that has a Twitter account can say something to you. You know how difficult. Well, I guess you've always lived it, but are, how conscious are you? when you are on campus or you go to the nitty gritty or you do whatever, how conscious are you that people are watching? Well, you have to be, you kind of hit on the head, Dan. You, you, when you play basketball at this level, especially at the university of Wisconsin, especially in the big 10, you represent so much more than just yourself. You represent yourself, you represent your family, but also your program and your university and your coaches. And so the decisions you make, whether they're on the court or off the court, they all have the ability to be positive or to be negative for yourself, your family and your program and the people that you care about. So you have to be, um, you know, I have coaches that 20, 30 years ago, they did a lot of stuff that we could not be doing nowadays. Oh. Um, but that's just the nature of the beast. Dude, I got in a fist fight with my seven foot two roommate who was a first round pick on my car in front of about 200 people at a party. Like, we're throwing hands. And that would, it would have been over. Oh, you guys would have. Like, if someone had a video, Coach Knight. You boom, guys would have been forced into the no. portal so quick. <laughs> oh, 
I tell people, I, I look, freshman year, Coach and I would have kicked my ass out. And I, but again, it, it's just one of those things, Brad, where there's so much pressure on you dudes. And you guys, I don't think people give you enough credit for how you guys handle it on a day-to-day basis. Has anybody come up to you, you know, and, and, and put a camera in your face and tried to goad you? Uh, not as much recently, you know, I think once I haven't also been out and about as much around campus since COVID happened. And then I moved off campus a little bit, but you got to be careful. We always say on our team, we always try to go out in packs or move, not move as one, but move in groups because you never know what people's intentions are. And people will want to get intent, want to get attention, you know, even if that maybe means some negative things for you. So we always try to move as a pack and move as a group when we maybe step out, go to an establishment or whatever that may look like. Um, just because you, you never know people's intentions and you also want to look out for one another. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. Now, you got engaged Tyra Buss, legendary, not kind of legendary, <laughs> legendary high school basketball player in Illinois, legendary. Indiana Hoosiers, most legendary when I hosted a game day show for coming on the set as a freshman and firing a football about 90 (laughs) yards right to some dude. I mean, so she is now, correct me if I'm wrong, an assistant at Wisconsin. You're getting married. Congratulations to that. Um, Being engaged, dating somebody that, you know, she's really popular you're really popular. Did she help you? Was she able to help you through this year or in, in any way? Absolutely. Yeah. So she's an assistant coach at UW, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, at UW, Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Mm. Um, but it's absolutely, I'll kick my coverage in a lot of different areas. Um, but she, you yep. did. You absolutely which did. Which is the goal, which is yeah. the goal. So I'm doing something right. Um, but man, she, her unconditional support, her constant support, her unconditional love. Um, her, her willingness to come support games, home and road. Um, it was so much fun just to have her in my corner and to have someone to talk to. And it's not like she would always tell me, she'd always tell me great game, love you, this and that, but also she really knows the game. So I can go to her with questions about basketball. What do you see? What can our team do better? What can I personally do better? And to have that sort of relationship, um, you know, it's something that I really cherish and one that I'm really thankful for. And I can't wait for, you know, 90 days, 89 days now, maybe, um, you know, wedding day coming up. So we're excited. You know, her family's a basketball family too, right? I mean, she's got, you know, cousins and uncles and, you know, when the bus family came into assembly hall, it doubled the attendance. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Oh yeah. They're all about it. And actually, they're all kind of Wisconsin based. So they're all Badger men's basketball fans before we even started, um, before we were together. So that was super fun to have them come to games and to have their support. And their, their brothers both coach basketball, their dad coaches basketball. Um, so before games and after games, we'd always have great phone calls too, whether it was talking about scouting reports or reviewing the games. You know, they were locked in and they're wholeheartedly Badger fans as well. So we had a lot of fun over the last couple of years. How'd you two meet? So after she got done playing at Indiana, she went overseas for a little stint, um, but came back and she worked for the Big Ten as a color commentator um, for the women's basketball games. And so when she was doing that, I was at Wisconsin. Um, And I remember watching her play at Indiana too. So we knew of each other, 
Uh, we followed each other on the social media as we watched each other play. But it wasn't until an individual messaged her and he said, I really enjoyed listening to you on the Big Ten and loved watching you play. I've also spent a lot of time in the Big Ten. One of my highlights has been interviewing and interacting with Brad Davison. What's your highlight been? So this guy was kind of trying to start conversation with her. But what she did is she screenshotted it and sent it to me and said, I thought you might like to see this. So the guy kind of threw me an alley-oop to, you know, allow myself to, to allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> um, and so one thing led to another, got her number. We started FaceTiming, realized we had a lot of the same, you know, morals, beliefs, and values. And we met in Wisconsin Dells a couple months later, bippity-boppity-boo. A couple years later, we're tying the knot. So we're excited. So this guy was trying to sneak in. What do you guys call it? Sneak into her DMs? And next thing you knew, he said, Yeah, he was trying to slide in, but it gave her the opportunity then to slide into mine. I took full advantage of my opportunity. And so did she. Like, hey, don't think that she wasn't thinking too, big boy. Like, hey, how can I get to Brad Davidson? Uh, Well, this is a pretty easy opportunity. Oh, yeah. She she always says, even though she slid in first, I'm the one who asked for the number. I texted her first. I initiated all that, so. But I will go to my yeah. grave saying that she slid into my DMs first. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. When she when she gets sassy, say, "Hey, look, you're the one that asked hey, me, lady." You, you asked for it. <laughs> you, know you, ask, I mean? you do what you get yourself into. Man, I tell my my wife now. I go, "Hey, look, you're the one that said yes to this." <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but you, you know, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. Right. Uh, you said yes. Do you what What's next for you? What are you going to do? Yeah, you know, I'm in that stage now where I'm looking at different options and different opportunities. Um, ever since I was young, I feel like my calling and my passion, I've always wanted to become a head coach in college basketball. Um, so I know where I am now. I know where my end goal is and where I want to be, God willing, someday. Um, but just trying to look at the different opportunities, not necessarily how to get there the fastest, but how to be the most prepared as a man and a husband and a father for when that time comes. So I'm looking at different coaching opportunities, but also, um, you know, it's hard to stop playing too. So I'm looking at different playing opportunities right now too and going through both of those processes. I think it's one of the hardest times. <clears throat> it was certainly one of the hardest times in my life and my teammates' lives. You're done playing, you know, someplace that you fit, in your case, for 15 years. All of a sudden now, you know, you're not a part of that team. Uh, you're part of the history but it's a tough time in a guy's life right now. It's, it's um, you've been, I'm guessing you've been certain since, uh, you know, I don't even know fifth grade, you're playing the season comes now it's football. Now mm-hmm. it's baseball. Now it's summertime. Now you're playing again. Right. And, and is this kind of the first season of uncertainty for you in a long, long time? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think even last summer when I was deciding whether or not I wanted to come back deep down in my heart, I had a pretty good picture of what coming back would be look like and, there was some certainty there and comfortability, but I keep telling people, this is kind of the first time in my life that I've really had to rely on my faith to know that I don't necessarily know what the future looks like, but I know who the author of my story is that I know it's going to be, it's going to be good and it's all going to work out. Um, now, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the coaching route or the playing route. If it's going to be in the United States or some other continent, I really do not know what that looks like yet, but, one thing I do know is that I'm getting married and I'll get to be doing it together with Tyra and we're super excited and eager for that. And 
that's another blessing is they're, uh, they're all really good options. And I'm really excited for all of them. I just got to, you know, narrow it down and put pen to paper here at some point. Where, are you going to the Dells, you know, for a honeymoon or what, what are you doing? We're, so we're getting married in Madison, actually at the Grace Episcopal Church right on Capitol Square. And then our reception's at Legend of Bergamot, which is the golf course country club right outside Madison. We're, we haven't scheduled our honeymoon yet because I got, we got to figure out our life first and see what we're doing in July. Um, but it's, <laughs> as soon as we figure out what we're doing, I guarantee you that'll be the first thing Tyra wants to get locked in is honeymoon, where, when, and uh, as long as there's a golf course and a beach nearby, I'm all in. <laughs> well, he, yeah. It, all right. So Brad Davison getting married in Madison, is this going to be like – Velvet ropes and bottle service. Is this paparazzi going to be everywhere? Is this going to be like you're coming in a horse and buggy, the royal wedding? Oh, you know, this is this is Wisconsin Big Ten royalty here. What what what? Am I thinking royal wedding, Prince Diane? What are we thinking here? Eighteen thousand people. <laughs> We're thinking not quite eighteen thousand. Otherwise, we'd have to go to the Cole Center for the ceremony, but. A little, right, a little smaller than right. that. Like 300 people, we really wanted to prioritize, you know, family and friends, and we're so eager to have everyone there with us. You know, we got a party bus rented out to take us for pictures. Tyra and her mom have been, done an incredible job of, you know, planning it all out. And I've, I've been there to offer my opinion and perspective and say, yep, sounds good. You're going to look beautiful. Can't wait. And I've learned my lesson. We're good to go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Hey, it's great talking to you. And I love covering you. I love watching you. I, I did. And the idea that you're not supposed to take a charge to me is absolute crap. The dudes at ESPN used to get Matt Billis and those guys. I'm like, charge is part of the game. Shut up. Look oh, man. It's a great defensive play for those of us. Yeah. And, and for some, I always doing? say it's like, it's, it's the, defensively, it's like a dunk. It's the momentum play. It's the energy play. And for, right. you know. I'm not, I'll speak for myself here. Guys like me, I'm not going to get up there and dunk the ball to get the crowd into it. So what do you want me to do? I got to do something. <laughs> right. I just used to say if a defender can strip the ball or he can take a charge, that's equivalent to a freaking dunk or a block Absolutely. shot. That's it. It's the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, man, tell Tyra, uh, I wanted her on. I wanted her to talk about in Bloomington when she wore a Wisconsin shirt and the crowd was on her oh. ass. Was that hard? Last thing, was that hard for her? Oh, man, it was tough for her. She's never been on the other side of any fan base, you know, the the hate or whatever it may cause, especially from her alma mater. So it was definitely tough for her to go into that arena and have people boo her and have people flick her off and say different things. And, um, man, you know, I felt for it too because she didn't deserve that. And, I'll tell you what, Dan, I was all over her to get on your show and to share her perspective. I told her, whenever someone who gets it gives you the opportunity to go on their show and speak your perspective from your point of view and put words to the situation, you got to do it. So she would love to come on your show. So I was supposed to tell you that. She would love to come on your show and spend time with I'm you. So you can lock her in. We're doing it at the end of the week. Tell her tell her my guy will be in touch. Right, I will. Yes, sir. Uh, she's awesome. And I, hey, I, when I wore a Michigan shirt, when Andrew was in Michigan or Ohio State, man, I got stuff thrown at me. I, I caught a guy, too. I'm like, what the hell are you throwing this at me for? You know, you family, know. family always comes uh, first. Family. family always comes first. They should know that. That's right. That's right. Appreciate you, kid. Yes, Thank sir. you. Always. Tell Tyra we'll, we'll be in touch Appreciate this week. You, All right. You got it.
Uh, that's Brad Davis. I love watching the dude play, man. I did. I love watching him play. And I used to get crazy when people would criticize him because he's just a kid out there playing his ass off. And as you can tell, he's a great dude. I mean, what? what, what? You got to be a jackass for somebody, you know, to like you? No, great dude. Great dude. Going to marry a wonderful young lady with a great family. I mean, people just need to shut the hell up. When people are doing the things that Brad Davidson does or did at Wisconsin, they ought to celebrate it. Why would you do anything but celebrate? Sure, you want to be mad at him because, well, he just kicked your ass. He came into Assembly Hall and beat Indiana like it was his job. So Indiana people are mad or Purdue people this year when they beat him. But, I mean, damn. Uh, It it is amazing to me who we glorify and it is amazing to me who we uh, vilify. Like, if you're going to vilify Brad Davis, that is a, a Davis and that is a you problem. That is not a Brad Davison problem. I'll tell you right now, because that dude's doing it right. I hate him. Yeah, you hate him because he came into your gym and kicked your ass. Yeah, well, that's not the reason. No, that is the reason. If he were playing, I'll be honest with you, he played the way that we were taught to play at Indiana back when Indiana was pretty good. I mean, take a charge. Be a decent dude. Look out for your teammates. Don't be a jackass. It ain't that it ain't that hard, man. But we didn't have social media banging down our door. I didn't have, you know, I, there wasn't one writer uh, had my home phone number. There wasn't anybody, you know, it was a different world. But now to do it in the world that Brad did it, I got a ton of admiration. And then all of a sudden, as a six-year senior, Wisconsin, I swear to God, I thought they were horrible. I, when I watched him play Texas A&M, I was watching during a break, and I'm like, man. And next thing you know, they win the Big Ten. That's a testament to that kid's leadership. You should all have somebody in your company that's like Brad. You should. Let me tell you what your company would do. You'd make some freaking money. You'd be successful. You guys drive me nuts. We celebrate here at Indiana freaking Xavier Johnson. Really? Xavier Johnson left Pittsburgh at the end of his – not dur- during the season – Probably a great guy. But now he comes to Indiana, and hey, man, he's going 90 miles an hour down the main drag right in the middle of the town. What are you doing? Like, oh, we're with you, Zay. No. People should, we should demand more people be like what Brad Davison is, man. That's just my take. It ain't a popular one, I'm sure, because we love us some jackasses. I was watching last night. You know every 30 for 30? is basically on jackasses. I'm not saying all of them. Bob Knight. Why is there a 30 for 30 on Bob Knight? Because he ended up, you know. I was watching Michael Vick. Why is there a 30 for 30 on Michael Vick? It was dogs. You know what I mean? It's like, what? You know. If we, what you want to change the world around, start glorifying people that do really good stuff. Make that the norm. You know, make that the thing that we're all supposed to do. I'm done preaching to you, but it just drives me bat blank crazy how people just glorify jackasses. Brad Davison should be the guy that real people glorify. Real people say Brad Davison's a great dude. Hell, he gets award scholar athletes, you know, that kind of stuff, great family, all that kind of stuff. So real people do. But, man, you mob dudes out there, I don't like you. I don't like you, and there's no reason for it. So I thank Brad. I thank Andrew for coming on. Dylan, Ryan, you guys are awesome. I'm going to be back at it noon to 3. 
Uh, 107.5 The Fan, you can catch this act. I don't know who the hell we got on, but I do know this. I'm going to talk about the national championship game. Hope everybody has a fantastic afternoon. It is beautiful here in Indy. Get outside, roll around in the grass, have a great day. Doc, it's out. We'll talk to you tomorrow.